making yourself coffee. Actually, I did look at that to put. If you'd quit drinking that stuff, because that shit's not good. CB and the BD. As much as you drink it. Splenda's bad for you, man. It's got thing is, is if I you put one packet of you know what's safer than Splenda, anal sex. What? What? (laughs) Proven. No. Proven fact by the uh, Daniel Institute. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, if you put one packet of sugar in there, it doesn't taste any different. But if you put one packet of Splenda, it's sweeter because it's half chlorine. Oh, oh. Kimikosh. Kimikosh. <laughs> In five, four, Three. Hey, everybody. This is Danielle. Oh, and this is Daniel. <laughs> and this is Carla. We are Hoosier Homicide, a true crime podcast by Hoosiers for Hoosiers or for anyone that doesn't know what a Hoosier is. Okay, so we're back. We made it. We're here. We did it. We've been off two weeks. It's been great. Yes. It's been super great to not <laughs> have to deal with your podcast. Yep. Well, what did our daughter say to our her preschool teacher? When I grow up, I want to be a podcaster. Yep. All the other kids were like, I want to be a firefighter or a teacher. And she goes, I want to be a podcaster. <laughs> Which is like, great because her te- we love her teacher. Yeah. She's so sweet. Like, I was like, I listened to a lot of them. I she's never you know, admit. She's one of these people that it's like, I wish you could stay her teacher through the sixth grade. I heard Aww. some parents say that at their like Thanksgiving thing. Like, you're going to move up with her, right? Like, to. Aww. It's like, she's not. Well, I like that she said that because there are more jobs out there than just the basics. Yeah. I was like, but you should probably have a backup career just in case. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. But we went on vacation to Disney there and back with, I mean, there wasn't any snafus, right? Like no one shit their pants. No, not this time. Not this time. It was a little bit of a clusterfuck getting there because our flight got delayed like two or three times and then we sat on the runway for an hour here you want to listen to three white people bitch about their, their white privilege. people problems mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my plane to florida was delayed three times uh. we missed prime dinner time uh. <laughs> i was fine with it because we had downloaded sesame street episode and so it's like she was cool no, i was starting to get sick to sitting on the runway Ugh. yeah and that's why i was starting well, it felt like to, we were I was spinning in circles yes. like we're just driving on these back well, roads in a giant we got bus. on the plane they didn't have all the luggage loaded so we had to wait for that which i understand and then they had to de-ice the plane which i understood but you yep. had to sit there and you had to wait for the little motherfucker to come around. He had a spray bottle. Squirt, squirt. Yep, squirt, 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 squirt. And they easily have to spray like 50 gallons of this shit on an airplane. So, you know, although you'd have Popeye forearms from that. That sucks. But then it's just like, by the time we got on the plane, it was almost an hour and 15, 20 minutes before we actually took off. Yep. And then, yeah, when we went out, then there was a line. I've never been flying out of Indianapolis. Indianapolis is always rated one of the best airports because it is a close walk from where you know if you have to park way out yeah there's a little bit of lo- walk through the parking lot but once in. you get into the actual airport the ticket counters are right there the carousels right there it's fast. you go Security's up like one quick. thing of stairs and 
there you're on the main level with all the shit and then security's right there. If you it's forget your luggage long. and you have to go back and get it, usually it's probably just still sitting there. Yeah. TSA <laughs> agents are they're, super laid back, which, yeah. you know. Well, like, in a good I way. mean, they're not like, fuck, you go to Orlando and they're Man. like, like moving yeah. cattle through. You, no model. You think that's bad? You should go to JFK International. Oh, oh. God. I don't want to. No, it was no. I hate going to busy airports. Our daughter was really concerned about the shoes coming off, leaving Indianapolis. Like, we didn't prepare her for, like... Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I have to take this. Ooh. Okay, we're back. Yeah. Daniel had to address some work-related crime. Yes. Dun-dun-dun. When you're someone's boss, they call you, don't they? Yep. They sure do. It's the name of the game. 5-0. We need you, 5-0. I, I knew. As soon, because he I didn't knew. call on Sundays. No. no, and if it was something funny or something, you text. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what people our age do, unless it's a long story. So where were we? Um, we were we were in Disney World. Yep, that was fun. The our daughter is a little bit taller than usual. Than usual, she's not going to shrink. No, f- compared to other kids I her get, age, I guess what she's saying. She's like <laughs> in the ninetieth percentile for height, so she can ride rides. That kid would have rode any roller coaster she could have got on. Yep. Yeah, it's so weird. But then she doesn't like intense scenes in cartoons. Like I can't <laughs> handle this intensity. Like, and I was like, it's a cart. Like it's it's a kid cartoon. It's not even like ones I would watch as a kid. It's yeah. regular, like the dumb shit they make now. She's like, I don't want to watch this. <laughs> hang on, hang okay. on, hang on, hang on. This guy actually has Carla's rapping name. Oh, her gangster yes. name? Weezio, bro? Yes. Okay, Weezio, bro? Can you do me a favor and read this guy's name? Young Ho Koo? <laughs> Young Ho Koo. That's Young definitely Ho. Mommy okay. rapping. Yeah. For sure? For sure. <laughs> he is a South Korean... Football player. He's the kicker for the. He's the new kicker for the Falcons. I'm getting that jersey. No, because it would just be Koo. Koo. You have to get his first. His name. first yeah. name is spelled Y O U N G H O E. Literally, young, young ho. ho. Young ho. As opposed to an old ho. I yeah, mean, I guess I that's better. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. Never really experienced that. I gotta say, I like it. You know. Like if it was Y N G H O J H, it would be like, and it was pronounced Young Ho. It'd still be kind of funny because we're a bunch of snobby ass, immature Americans. I can't <laughs> help it. It's the way it sounds I was like raised. something funny. I have to laugh. Have to. Um, what's the other thing? Daniel will explain to you what it's like to ride in the Millennium Falcon with a senior citizen. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so we decided it would be a really good idea to wait, or we did the, uh, what did we do, the single rider? Rider line. So we got through it instead of 75 or 80 minutes, we got through it in like 35 minutes. Mm -hmm. The downside is, is you don't really get to pick what you're going to do. Or who's in your cockpit. Or who's in your group. So Carla got stuck. I got the boot. She got booted, which is what I should have done. Yeah, gone with her. But then- your dad, you, and myself got paired with some other lady. And then, so that's four people. But then all of a sudden, beep, beep. beep, beep. Here comes here comes two uh, motor scooter. Little Senior rascals. citizens. Two people probably in their 80s and their little dog. Yes, that's the weird part extra. Yes. You know? So 
the husband went and put the little dog. Disney has a cage because everyone brings their. Can you explain that, Carla? Um, if you need a service animal, they do provide a cage, like in backstage area. Yeah, it was and right usually there. like, like a cast anything. member and a coordinator will sit with the dog until you're done with the ride. Like no one's gonna steal or hurt your dog. No, and they the... put it in a cage. It's a huge cage. Like mm-hmm. any dog would be comfortable. In oh yeah, it. yeah. And the ride and the, is the, what the dog was already long? in its little carrying case. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's not a service dog. It's not. It's no. A... This was actually. It might have been the reason they couldn't leave it in the cages. It actually might have been a giant guinea pig. Yes, and they yeah, weren't. Yeah, they're do like, that is a this pig. a dog? So, anyways, <laughs> the husband decides to stay behind with the dog. So we get grandma. Yep. And I'm trying to think to give people a, a visual image of who we were with. I don't know. And right now, I just I can't think. It's just an old lady on a scooter up. with a tiny dog. And it's like, okay, but you get so position. She, she like, wheel, so she's the pilot. Yeah, that's the thing. Is so I was wheels. the gunner and you took my car and you're like, oh, now I'm the gunner. And I were engineers, which basically is the bus- button pusher. Beep, 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 I was the engineer. I didn't like yeah, it. Yeah, I was like, I don't care. I just want to ride this thing. But you I do wanted care. You, I wanted you to sit with your dad. Oh, okay. You do care about who's steering the ship. Yeah, it turns out. Yeah, that matters, actually. So, <laughs> There was, she got up, scoots up to the front of the uh, Millennium Falcon, and takes off. You have a little joystick. Really, the person who sits, one person who's, the per, the, the coolest jobs on that are sitting on the right or the left, which controls the joystick. The person on the right controls the throttle. Mm-hmm. Well, because her husband stayed back, there was no one to control the throttle. Yep. So we kept the same speed the entire time, other than what the game actually <laughs> slows it down. Yeah. But they didn't let unfortunately. One of you hop in it? Well, I didn't. We didn't know what was happening because they were at. This the, we lady didn't know that was he born wasn't in. in the 1930s <laughs> that had never played a fucking video game in her entire life Mm-mm. is now at the helm of the largest <laughs> piece of junk in the galaxy, <laughs> and she drove it like she stole it. Yep. <laughs> She, I don't even know. She didn't even know what the fuck she was doing. No, like, she just, she was like, just, she just like held on to it and just fucking proceeded to hit everything in sight. And it's, you know, you steer it around. Yeah, you can. Cool. Like, you to can avoid rocks it. and shit and buildings. And she hit everything. She could not have hit anymore if she was trying. So. And you feel that. It shakes the. Yeah, cockpit. and that's the, that like, was the problem. So we were starting to that feel like that was the big dizzy. problem. Yeah. It's a movie. You're basically on like a little movie. Yeah, like it's, it's a not, simulator. It's, similar to it's like, a full simulator. But it shakes and it goes up and down, side to side. It's not tilts. as jerky as Star Tours is, but it's still, if, you, if you're if you going to hit every object in the game, and even the game at one point was like, pick up the train or like connect to the train. like And it's like, are you going to do that or not? Like it, the game even could. I literally like, had come to terms with the fact that I might get sick. Mm-hmm. Like it was going that direction. And if I got sick. I was not going to throw up on the seat in front of me and splash on myself. Oh, no. It was going diagonally. Yeah, <laughs> towards that lady. That It was just like, I finally, I my eyes, she never looked back, back at us head. or anything either to be like, sorry, guys, like, I don't know what I'm doing. It was just like. She didn't know she wasn't doing anything. Yeah, she was. She had no idea what she was doing. Why even go on a fucking ride? I don't know. Like, I don't know. But then as we're getting, we her, leave. It's her grandkids' fault. Yeah. Because they all got separated and they sent oh Grammy and Grampy, God. I'm sure. We'll have fun. Well, the girls. So, other than that, though, but as we're getting in the elevator, because you take like an elevator to leave, we like buzz by these old couple that are have to get their dog and settled back in their scooters. 
and you go, I want to know where she lives and if she has a driver's license. There's no way. Yeah. I was like, she shouldn't. She should not. No. I was like, oh, my God. How did you not know you were steering the thing? No, because the girl on yours, like, she hit something and then was like, oh. I know I what have, I'm doing now. I have a feel for this because I've yeah. played video games before. I've driven a car before. Yeah. You just move it where you want it to go. Nope. <laughs> so weird. Rode a lot of rides and the kid can ride. Man, Splash Mountain, dude. She rode that four times. She liked it. A yeah. Lot. But then was confused when she rode one of the other roller coasters she- that were short, like 60 seconds long, because Splash Mountain's like a longer ride. She was a lot braver at that age than I don't I know. Was. Yeah. It's like she, she wanted to get right back on like mine training. When I was 10, I was terrified. You know, we did it the one time. It's like, I don't want to fucking do that again. She's tall enough for Tower of Terror. But like, we didn't take her on that. That's intense. Well, she said she was scared. Yeah. She didn't want to go. She doesn't like spooky. If, okay. So if we had gone to Disneyland. Mm hmm. And it was the um, Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, she'd had a blast yeah. on that. Yeah. Or the Haunted Mansion if it was all of the so, Nightmare Before Christmas. Flying to California is so fucking expensive. Las Vegas is cheap. Oh, yeah, because they want you to come Vegas. to Vegas. Because Vegas pays. Vegas, no. I think, uh, is pretty cheap on the airlines because they want. People to come. Yeah. If you build it, they, they will come. come. I will. Oh, yeah. Yep. I don't know. I was thinking if there was anything <laughs> oh else. There's nothing else. It was just our trip. It was good. It was fun. I we'll had a great plan time. And hopefully be able to plan and save for another one. We I have like a uh, slideshow available. Slideshow. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the main event was all of us in that tiny like family suite. It's all it's really like adult. Which that sounds a lot <laughs> yeah. fancier than the, it's not. Nice. It's not. Like you had to switch beds and a- our our daughter goes. Daddy kicked Carla out of the bed. So it made it sound well, yeah, like you guys I, are sleeping in bed together. <laughs> I hurt my back. Yeah, that was the other thing. When we were getting ready to get on the plane. Well, by getting re- that morning when we oh. were getting ready, I hurt my back. If the plane hadn't been delayed, you probably wouldn't have hurt his back. Wow. There white people problem. Right no, probably, it would have been a bigger problem. Yeah. Yeah. Because you were laying around for a while. Yeah. But, that yeah. would have been a that would have not been a fun yeah one. you and i slept on like the fold-out couch and you're like this is so stiff so then you moved but i over. like kind of like beds like, like that yeah you zonk out you can just disappear danielle <laughs> doesn't like it when i go oh it's so stiff <laughs> <laughs> god and our parents had like a close like we could close the door and every morning dad would wake daniel up to ask him you want coffee and it's like no i just want to sleep but thank you <laughs> <laughs> they would start talking and he could hear him see carla can sleep through oh, anything oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'd hear him talking at like seven o'clock in the morning. It's like old people. What are? Why are you up? <laughs> and then your dad would come out and go, Psst, Psst. <laughs> <laughs> you want coffee? Psst. And I'm like, yeah, in two hours. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! If this is the first time you've listened, you're gonna probably go ahead and turn us off because that's okay. What you time? turn on to listen to murder, and now you're listening I about put, a white people's family vacation to Disney World. You know, we were just trying to <laughs> say the funny parts. Maybe, you know, I'll even cut it down just a little bit. But, you know, I put a timestamp in when we shut up and start talking about the real thing. Well, let's shut up and start talking about the real thing. Okay, I think the connection well, will where be... Where do you have to be? Nowhere. Nowhere. I just try to I try to put things, you know, move things along. Well, that's her job, the mover alonger. That's yeah. her title at work. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I just love Who's the way... longer? Oh. I just like how people spell your name. Oh, yeah. Your work emails. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, Kathy. No. No, still Carla. In no. in the address, it says Carla. At my at, work. Yep. It's there. You, you could just read it, but that's okay. I that's just, it's fine. It's I fine. understand it's hard for you. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think the connection would be, uh, we weren't recording yet, but we were talking about the Kinsey Institute, mm-hmm. which is the sexual museum. What do you call it? Sex museum? Well, I mean, it's a real thing. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's it's a, but it, it's a building. I'm talking about, but building. where is it located at? It's in IU, Bloomington. Bloomington. Okay, that's, campus. What that's what I was reaching for. Not the sex building. It's not like a sex building. The sex like, building. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real research Man. facility, facility and it yeah. does a lot find more. Me a, find me a fucking DeLorean that I can go back to the future. I'm going to enroll in IU. Yeah. The sex building. We're, that's where Disney's porn collection is. We were just talking about that, too. We can, I mean, that might not be a fact, but today it is. It could be. Yep. And it does they it's more than just a sex building they also do like kinesiology which is like i think the study of like movement movement or and body movement mm-hmm. when it's having sex hip no hip thrusting <laughs> there's a lot more to it than that <laughs> i don't know but you said you t- in your human sexuality class you watch porn 70s it was more porn. like a, yeah it was really old, old. You're it like, was i don't even know it was more like a how-to video i feel like of how to make a porn no it was like a how-to like Stay hard or something. I oh, it's I so know. bad. That's yeah. so bad. Oh, <laughs> you mind giving us a, a brief synopsis? It was like it was so long ago. Like, what do you do? <laughs> like, better do you, is video. There, do you rub like a banana peel or something? No, it on was it? like doing exercises with your partner, like to make it hard again. Yeah, it's always about the man. You know, what if a woman has a problem? You know, they talked about that too. We just didn't watch a video about it. Yeah, see. The best one, the video was... See, for men, we need video. We need bright colors yeah. and motion and stuff. Girls, you just tell you what's up. Read it in the black girl, and white. The girl, she had like a bikini tan line, and she <laughs> had a giant bush. Oh, yeah. Days and days <laughs> of bush. <laughs> you need hedge covers. It's all bushy. It's all big and bushy. <laughs> but the best video that we watched was... It must have been some artistic, like... I, I don't even know, but it was just like a like a 15 minute long video and it was just like a million different vaginas <gasps> and then after the vagina section it got to the penis section and it was just like a million penises you ejaculating. Can't keep ejaculating yes why do you need to see that though i don't know but i don't know and someone was yelling money shot money shot money money money, money shot money. i don't i really don't know <laughs> like it was I think trying to portray like everyone's different yeah, or like they all look different. They all ejaculate the same except they don't because some have sperm and some don't. Some it was just, no, it was really like they're all, they all look different, but they're all the same. I, there's too many, there's too many comments to make. Yeah. So I know. I just, that, some were sheathed and unsheathed. I wish I could find my syllabus. I could probably. A couple, uh, you had a couple earthworm gems. I don't <laughs> and it was set- did they show mata mouse throwing up <laughs> no but the was- best part that it was set to like classical music so it was like oh, and you're like way to ruin the you classic. know what the like, classical like- music f- was for carla now it's classy <laughs> <laughs> see and it would be like a symbol like a giant <laughs> would go off and so would an ejaculating penis no. like- <laughs> It was probably the professor. It was probably a video they put together. Like I spent a lot of time I'm doing on this. this. So now, no, oh, the you professor, have to watch it. this guy, very like, I don't. I would just call him like a very like basic dude. Like wore basic like an bitch. overcoat and like a t- like a, a nice hat to the to cl- to class every week and 
dressed very nice and then all of a sudden i realized he's the author of the fucking textbook like, oh yeah so this is all he knows business all of wieners it. and badge yeah no, he's business. literally showing this he's like this is educational and everyone and you're else like no is it's like, no it's not no it's not it's not no it's not that no, is porn it's, it's ejaculating how do you porn. explain that to your kids like <laughs> i don't know i think i would have had to leave like or i put like my cheeks would be bright red and i would no, have had to put my that's face you down. i was just like all right, let's do it. Like, let's watch it. I would have been like stifling this inner laugh and then been afraid I was going to laugh and that people would look at me. So my cheeks would get bright red. Yeah, people <laughs> would look at you. You'd be like fucking make... immature. Yeah. That's the problem, Carla, we have in the bedroom is <laughs> mentally I'm married to a 12 year old boy. <laughs> I pull it out and she starts giggling. <laughs> no, she can't even say the word. She just was like, peen. <laughs> Zay wee wee. Okay, so what does that have to do Sorry. with what's going on? It's just on? located in Bloomington, and that's oh, it. Oh, that's it? We, that's it. Okay. <laughs> sorry. I'm so that sorry. Was a, that was a deep rabbit hole. <laughs> well, uh, if it's a millions of ejaculating penises, and that's not a rabbit hole, I don't know what is. <laughs> <laughs> the author of the book would take himself seriously, though. Yeah. Welcome yeah. to Hoosier Homicide. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's how, yes, that's going to be the intro from now on. <laughs> I probably could put dun, dun, dun. It's yeah, like dun, It's dun, like the exact, dun, it's like dun, the intro dun, to dun, Avengers dun, Endgame. Dun, dun. <laughs> I can hear the symbols and I can see it in my yeah. brain. And it's exactly, it's I know a, we're it was a close do. up too. It was a close up? Yeah. Or with any of the, oh. You right. didn't see the dude, you just saw the peen. What, what if you like later in life would be like, What's an interesting fact about yourself? I'm like, well, my ejaculating penis was used in, in a, a video. In a, in but a it was tradition. educational. Don't worry. And it's like, the porn guy told you it was educational? Yeah. <laughs> like, where is this video? Be like, oh, you don't want to see and it. Now it's I now I like, want to Google it, but that sounds like a bad idea. No. <laughs> if it says compilation behind it, that's probably Pornhub. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I can't. I have to walk away from this. Oh my god! I know. Talk about okay. the thing. My cheeks hurt, <laughs> and they're and they're red. <laughs> I got. So let, let's just let's recap. <laughs> recap here real quick. the last twenty four minutes. In the last twenty minutes, we've talked about Disney World. How sweet our daughter's preschool teacher is. Oh no! And ejaculating penises <laughs> and old people and old people. <laughs> Were there any old people in it? Look. Were there old? We would have to be. I don't know. Like. I didn't Were, check. Was there a couple you looked at and you went, mm, I'm not sure if I'm looking at a beef and cheddar. <laughs> I don't know. I, you or know. A, a real bad yeast infection. No. Oh, stop. Stop. Okay. Walk away. I'm done, I'm done. <laughs> Put that down. Put it down. Whatever it is. Walk away from it. Wiener, 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 wiener. wiener. Oh, no. Started again. <laughs> it's fucking funny. Okay. This came from Wikipedia, LA Times. KLEWTV.com, bustle.com, and a podcast that I could look up real quick. Someone wasn't prepared. Yep. I'm sorry. You can't remember the name of a no. simple podcast? It's because I hadn't really listened to him before, and our internet's slow. Okay. It was Omnibus, O M N I B U S, exclamation point. And I think they just talk about a lot of interesting stuff. They have, they're well known, but I hadn't heard them before, but now I know them. Okay, have I? Daniel knows what the topic is. Yes. I don't know if he remembers. Carla, hmm. have you ever heard of the Barefoot Bandit? No. Weren't those the people that robbed Macaulay Culkin? 
<laughs> Were those the wet bandits? No, the wet bandits. Wet bandits. Uh, no, the, they're now the, the sticky bandits. Sticky, sticky bandits. bandits. <laughs> he put tapes his hand in. The longer this goes on, the more dangerous he becomes. He's still an aircraft. He's Western Washington's new Jesse James. He is the rock star of the San Juan Islands right now. The barefoot bandit continues his crime spree. He leaves a calling card. He leaves footprints. He is often barefoot, they believe, during the crimes. His drug of choice is adrenaline. This is about the barefoot bandit. Colton Harris Moore. Harris Moore is hyphenated, so it's like a big last name. For a while, I thought it was his middle name. It's not. He was born in Mount Vernon, Washington, and grew up in his mother's house in Kimono Island. Mm. What? He's up at the top. Kimono? Kimono Dragon. Kimono. Kimono Island. Mm -hmm. Okay. Neighbors said that they made several calls to Child Protective Services, believing at least that he was a dirt poor, neglected trailer park kid or worse, abused. So it's like his mom was a serious alcoholic. His dad was in and out of his life. Uh, Gordon Moore, who used drugs and was in prison. Yeah, his mother, Pamela Kohler, is not a stellar human being, unfortunately. And at first, when you're listening, it's like, just because you live in a trailer doesn't mean it's like a shitty place or a shitty upbringing. But this was. That's what this was. And he didn't have enough food. Like So the basic things that you need in life, they didn't. he didn't have enough of that. And then he was also, though, very interested in aerospace dynamics. Is that how you say it? Yeah, same. Same. So he's not dumb. He's just a poor. This is the trailer where Colton grew up with his mother, Pam Kohler. The issue here is what Colton, not so much what he did, but who created this kid. 48 Hours investigator Paul Cialino. He uncovered court records that showed a dozen calls to Child Protective Services by the time Colton was just 14. There was physical abuse. There was mental abuse. There was physical neglect. I was having nightmares when I began to research his childhood. I would literally wake up in a sweat thinking about some things Colt went through. Bob Friel is a writer from Washington State who wrote a book about Colton's life. Colton had nowhere to turn. As one caseworker wrote, Colton wants mom to stop drinking and get a job and have food in the house. Mom refuses. Uh, according to his mother, his stepfather died when he was about seven years old. And from the time Colton was in first grade, she knew something was off about him. Really, mom? Really? Sort of a disconnection. He wouldn't listen to his teachers and started altercations at school and would sometimes deliberately break things around the house. What, like your liquor bottles, maybe? According to a court order psychiatric evaluation, Colt said that his mother drank and became mean breaking his possession. So he lives with his mom and she drinks too much. And he started living in the wild at the age of seven. So living in the woods. Same. You know. <laughs> and would break into vacation homes in the area, stealing blankets, food, and water before disappearing into the forest for days. So he's breaking into people's houses at, as a younger kid, as a wilderness explorer. He had his badges. The wilderness needs to be explored. explored. That's a rude thing to say to some Poor little kid having to live out in the woods. Oh, he probably had badges. Mm. <laughs> when Colton was 12 years old, his father walked out after an argument at a family barbecue. And that's all it said. No, no, no. He was trying to choke him. So Colton called the cops after his dad tried to choke him and his mom got mad at him for calling the cops. 
And so it's like, great. Thanks, mom. But his first conviction for stolen property also came at the age of 12. And by the time he was 13, he had three more. So he kept breaking into people's houses. And I think a lot of them were vacation homes. So it's like, no one's here. I'm coming in and I'm stealing food and watching TV and taking a shower. Like, it kind of feels like a victimless crime, really. But people feel pretty violated still. Apparently, they don't like it. I watched 48 Hours, too, and there's an old white dude saying, "Some we want him caught, but most of us want him dead. And it's okay, like, wow, then. he's like 14, 13. He's like, it's like, damn. He was one very unpopular teenager back in his hometown of Camino Island, Washington. Colton Harris Moore is nothing but a thief, a criminal. He's not Robin Hood. He's not Jesse James. He's not James Bond. Colton's crime spree on this tranquil island began when he was just 10 years old. In the summer of 2010, residents of Camino Island reached a breaking point. They gathered to discuss rumors that were frightening everyone. They said he shot at a policeman, he stole a policeman's gun. We want him stopped. Most of us want him dead, period. How did it come to this? Why would anyone want to kill this troubled teenager? I mean, he is a criminal, but at the same time, there really is a little part of me that just really feels bad for him because I've known him, you know, almost my whole life. Ashley Martin grew up with Colton on Camino Island. He was a very sweet, very sweet little kid. Having been diagnosed with depression, attention deficit disorder, and intermittent explosive disorder, each conviction brought a 10-day stay in a detention center or community service. His mother once said every time he had anything good, everyone thought he stole it. What does that do to a kid? Probably did steal it. In 2003, police found a neighbor's camcorder in his home. Never before sentenced to more than a month, he fled a three-year sentence by walking out of a halfway house in April 2008. Yeah. So he got caught enough times that they're like, now we're going to send you to like a real facility. What what is it called, though, when you're obsessed with stealing stuff? Klepto. Maniac. But so that's it does give him a rush. And I think he does kind of get addicted to that, like that feeling of feeling like this thrill. And I think you have that. I do. Mm-hmm. I don't know, you, you like to steal other <laughs> people's things. What? Do, oh, shut up. Clothes. <laughs> gardening tools. <gasps> tables. <gasps> furniture. <gasps> I mean, that stuff's hard to hide, too. You know? I went through a phase. You did? In college, yeah. Go to a house party. Got that's but that's a thing. They all yeah, gotta do take that. something. Gotta take something. Did that a lot. Bottle opener, something hanging on the wall. Knickknack, anything. Knickknack, yeah. Yep. Nothing is safe at the college parties. No, for sure. <laughs> I stole a shelf from my friend's house once. You shouldn't steal from your friends because then they come over and they get mad. <laughs> and they're like, "That's my fucking shelf." Yeah, they were they were like pretty upset about it. <laughs> and you're like, "Dude, take it back. Sorry." <laughs> Apparently, he liked popcorn a lot, so people would always find that their popcorn was missing. It's like, so it's popcorn still- Popcorn bandit. That the popcorn bandit. Colton is suspected of being responsible for approximately 100 thefts in Washington, Idaho, and Canada, wow. including bicycles, automobiles, light aircraft, and speedboats. That's Carla's line. What? Idaho. 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 You young ho, Idaho. It is believed he learned how to fly- <laughs> sm- she old ho. Old ho. <laughs> You're young ho. It is believed he learned how to fly small airplanes by reading aircraft manuals, handbooks, and watching a How to Fly a Small Airplane DVD. Local realtor, Suzanne Vidal. Can we follow you in? Sure. 
Suzanne invited us inside a vacation house. All looks good so far. That she thought had sat empty for the past eight months. <sighs> Strange feeling somebody's been on the beds, huh? It's clear a stranger has been here. I've been slept on. It almost looks like somebody's been on the bed, doesn't it? Look at this depression here in the bed. Gives me the chills. The toilet seat was up though, like a man had used it. As we walk through the house. Oh, this door's open. More evidence. Oh gosh, it's open too. You are certain that door was locked? Yes, it's. So somebody's been here. You know, actually, if you look at the table, there's food on the table. Look at here. There's crumbs. Look at this big one. Popcorn. What's that? Popcorn. You know he eats popcorn everywhere he goes. No, don't you tell me that. I'm very serious. The places that he's found, generally there's a lot of popcorn around. Um, I think I'm just going to ask the sheriff's department to come over here and take a look around. Suzanne calls the sheriff, and a deputy quickly responds. The house was dusted for fingerprints. Was Colton here? Is this a place of interest for you guys? The sheriff's department won't tell us, but these kinds of discoveries drive the locals over the edge. He gets an adrenaline rush from ripping people off. Marion Rathbone operates Ferns. How's the view? A local restaurant. Good. Colton Harris Moore is a punk ass kid who has caused more damage to more of the small people, the little people. He's a piece of crap. He got in through here. Marion says Colton scaled the side of her building with Spider-Man-like moves. He knocked the wood in and was able to climb in through that little hole there. This security camera video shows the burglar running through Marion's restaurant. Someone who looks very much like Colton and is clearly barefoot. The safe was right here around the corner. He stole $15,000 from Marion's safe her entire summer's profit. And after I pulled myself up off the floor because I dropped to my knees, all I kept saying was, oh my God, oh my God. And Marion says it wasn't the first time that Colton had broken in. He had been in this office a week before and used one of the credit cards that I had stashed on my computer right there to order a How to Fly Small Aircraft DVD how to fly a small aircraft? Computer displays replaced the... Is this really the way Colton taught himself how to fly? And playing flight simulator. And playing... I, flight simulator now is yeah. so detailed. If your choices to land the plane are just some old guy or a kid that's played flight simulator, give it to the kid that's played flight simulator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no old woman could you no, no. One plane he stole was a Cessna 182, belonging to then KZOK FM radio personality Bob Rivers, valued at over $150,000. The plane was later recovered from a Yakima Indian Reservation crash site. Though badly damaged, it was rebuilt and is in Florida, if anyone wants to go see it. 102.5 KZOK, good morning. It's 841. Bob Rivers here. The... Bob Rivers is a Seattle radio personality. Back in the fall of 2008, Colton Harris Moore stole Rivers' Cessna single-engine plane from a hangar on Orcas Island. The day my plane was stolen, it was a brutal, gusty, windy day. 
In the first flight where Colton took off himself, he flew over the Cascade Mountain Range with wind gusts coming from every direction, taking that plane and shaking it like, like a soda can. As he flew over the mountains, Colton found himself trapped in a whiteout at 13,000 feet. That must have been a, a terrifying flight. It was. There was vomit in the cockpit, and our sources say Colton felt sure he was going to die. But miraculously, he made it. Flying 250 miles from Orcas Island to a field outside Yakima, Washington, where he crashed. Incredibly, Colton simply walked away. He already is willing to get into a plane and take off. But I don't know if he ever grasps the landing part. Mm -mm. It's important. Well, that, yeah, that's the part that the school comes in handy yeah. for. Yeah. <laughs> but how did this high school dropout learn to fly? When Colton wants to learn something, Colton will, will do that. He will accomplish that, unlike anyone I've ever experienced before. Colton apparently taught himself using that flight DVD he'd ordered online with a stolen credit card. Learning to fly is a lot of fun, as well as being challenging. Watching video is not a substitute for good instruction. The DVD is distributed by a company called Sporties. And as you can see here, the sophisticated graphics mimic the computerized controls in many modern planes. I had the hardest time when I began researching this story, getting pilots to believe that this could possibly be this 17-year-old kid. And 48 Hours has been told Colton studied the Cessna's manual before that first flight. Even people who were obsessed with flying, loved airplanes, knew everything about airplanes, they would have killed themselves. Colt was able to pull it off. After he fled the down plane, our sources say Colton hopped a freight train to Reno, Nevada. He lied about his age and got a job at a casino where he worked for six months. But then he starts taking shit. Like, well, now I see all your fancy stuff and I don't have that at my house. Once he allegedly used a homeowner's computer and credit card to order bear mace and a pair of $6,500 night vision goggles. Okay, then. Yep. Those aren't cheap. How was he planning to get that? I don't know. That was They didn't answer that on 48. Like, where is he having it delivered to? Yeah. I don't know. But he would break into places and they would be able to see that he would try to clean up after himself pretty, which is nice, but like the toilets he would be up. I guess there's worse criminals to have. Yeah. At least he wasn't there to rape and pillage. He was just there to pillage. pillage. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And he tried to aim for houses that were empty. In May 2010, police found a handwritten note and $100 cash at a veterinarian clinic in Raymond, Washington, approximately 95 miles southwest of Seattle. The note read, drove by, had some extra cash. Please use this money for care of animals. Colton Harris Moore, a.k.a. Barefoot Bandit. So he's a philanthropist also. Well, good. Things could be worse. He really liked animals and airplanes were his two things. So, But that also tipped the police office to where he's been, like where you are. Just because you stole a car, it doesn't say like you, who stole it. You have to figure that out. But if you leave a note saying your name, that they know that's where you were. Yep. I think there was shop owners that he had broken into, so he started breaking into like grocery store, smaller ones, like personally owned ones and stealing stuff. And the guy's like, I have to get a gun and now I sleep above my store with my large dogs and to like to protect my shit, you know? Well, yeah, think about it. Mm -hmm. We didn't have an alarm. Someone but, tried to break into our house and all of a sudden now we have an alarm. Yep. Yeah. Well, the dog. We were just lucky enough that 
We have a 90-pound dog yep. that is not very friendly when he first <laughs> meets you. What all has he taken from this town? Money, lots of money. Tools from the hardware store, food from markets, cash from ATMs. You name it, he's taken it. <laughs> this kind of is what the town is about or used to be about. But peace is not what this store owner is feeling. I feel like I've been put in a situation where I have to defend my personal property. Colton allegedly burglarized the Orcas homegrown market three times, transforming Kyle Ader that beautiful? from a serene organic grocer as a Dan Wesson revolver into Dirty Harry. I keep a gun with me because that'll blow a pretty big hole. I need to be ready. Double action. Kyle feels shaken by what he found after a burglary in February 2010. I came in and there was large footprints, 39 of them, giant footprints, all footprints. the way around the deli. And then they kind of turned and so he'd done everything he'd done in the store. And then he was going out the side door with footprints and it said, see ya. Colton became known as the Barefoot Bandit or as the Barefoot Burglar for reportedly committing some of his crimes while barefoot. He also signed his crime scenes, drawing footprint outlines with chalk and adding sarcastic goodbye like CYA, C-Y-A, exclamation point. <laughs> so he thinks he's being clever, like he leaves a calling card, just like the wet bandits would leave. A it's our calling card. By turning on the faucets and leaving. Yep. But again, the police know it was you if you're leaving stuff like that. Yeah, a lot of different places they found he was barefoot. In late 2010, Colton was suspected of vehicle theft stretching as far east as Illinois. Police found a 2008 white Toyota Sequoia in Norfolk, Nebraska, which was reportedly stolen in Yankton, South Dakota. Later that day, several burglaries were reported at Carl Steffen Memorial Airport, located one mile south of where the SUV was abandoned. As he sought planes to steal, he traveled from one tiny airport to another, where security was low and the planes were easy pickings. When I arrived here, um, uh, the plane was gone. This door was open. Authorities say the barefoot bandit had struck again, here in Idaho, bagging his third plane in less than a year. You could say Colton Harris Moore's life is, is very similar to a video game. This is a game to him. But it was not a game for Homeland Security, which had now joined the investigation. And when that third plane was located in a field in Granite Falls, Washington, police closed in, but backed off when they heard a gunshot. From that point, things became very serious for Colton Harris Moore. To him, it may have just been a higher level of the video game. For the law enforcement, they treated him as armed and potentially dangerous. On July 4, 2010, his most memorable crime, stealing a Cessna 400 single-engine plane worth $650,000 from Bloomington, Indiana. Damn. Yeah. How would even how would you even know how to to turn it on? Yeah, so he just <laughs> know like he always yeah, he can get in it so he's not dumb. So he I mean if you like I flight simulator. Yeah. You go through, you know how on one of those planes just to fucking flip what switch to flip and to get it going and how to take off. The other one that he stole and crashed, he flew over like a mountain range in turbulent weather. Like he, you know, so it's not like it's not okay to fly, but because he's stealing it, he's flying anyways. And then it was 
he probably shit his pants a couple times. I think he threw. I think they said he threw up. I was like, yes, that old lady was driving that airplane. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what it was. Uh, it was later found crashed in the shoreline waters of Great Ab- Aboko Island in the Bahamas. He flew from Indiana <gasps> to the Bahamas. This guy's a psycho. Yeah, I'm leaving and he the didn't country. Didn't hit anything. Mm-mm. And I was like, I don't know how much gas those things hold. Well, like he had to make sure to, there was enough gas. You have to have like air traffic control so you don't hit anyone or anything. Hit another plane, yeah. All you do is plug in a radio and have know how it works. Wow. Yeah, and I think you just say like you're supposed to just announce that you're going up. I don't know. Again, like, that. And if you know where all the airports and all the and plus in that plane, he's flying so low, mm-hmm. he is below all the commercial traffic. Yeah. So okay. he just has to know. And if a six hundred thousand dollar plane is going to have a pretty fancy equipment uh, plus you know if it had autopilot on it he could have just got on there put it on there if air traffic control got on and told him he needed to move they'd give him his heading he needed to go he just punched it in and around he went it's bizarre it's i don't know i wouldn't have known Mm -mm. yeah they found it crashed so he still is not landing and it was in the shoreline like in the mucky water and he had to hike out of a swamp because he didn't land it well or he ran out of uh Fuel. That's where he ran out of fuel. Yeah. Shortly afterward, there were several break-ins reported across the island. The Royal Bahama Police Force placed wanted posters across the island that featured the teenager. One bartender claimed to have spotted him in a sports bar on Tuesday, July 6, 2010, saying that he drank a beer and left after five minutes. He says that Colton was wearing a cap over his shaved head and was barefoot. <laughs> On that same day, an indictment was released from a federal judge of the U.S. District Court of Western Washington. So it's become a federal offense. Like you were breaking into private homes. And I think at one point he broke into a home and he thinks people are gone. Well, this family of five shows up at three in the morning back from their vacation and of young kids. And you come around the corner and the wife screams and he's naked in their hallway. (laughs) Yeah. So the dad like put, you know, gets past and chases him like, get the fuck out of my house. Well, he comes down the, the basement and he sees a red light pointing at him so like this kid has a gun now and he's breaking into homes and it's like now now you have traumatized children like you're not just stealing the guy had a gun with him or the kid colton had a gun so and he maybe he was never going to shoot anyone but still they don't know that so he's escalating stealing more and more things now i have a gun i think it was a james bond gun was that one like a i don't know a handgun yeah (laughs) james bond yeah i don't know but so the people in the area don't think it's cute. Like he's not a Robin Hood. He's not James. They don't like him at all. And now he's added to the list of uh, charges. Yeah. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger. The indictment cited Colton Harris Moore for interstate transport of stolen property, airplane theft related to a plane stolen from Boners Ferry, Idaho. <laughs> it's bon- what are the odds? It's Boners, I know. We've got back to Boners Ferry. <laughs> That's the Johnny Appleseed episode that crashed outside of Granite Falls, Washington. The FBI placed a ten thousand dollar bounty for information leading to his arrest, and federal agents believe that he was responsible for the recent theft in Indiana. So they're connecting it all, and it's not. It's just a matter of time. He's nineteen, and he's already, but he's left the country. Like I can do whatever I want. On July 11, 2010. Because, you know, I'm sure prison in the Bahamas is a lot nicer than uh, prison in the U.S. I saw a boat pull up at the end of this dock right here. I saw a young man took off up the dock. Security guard Kenny Strong works at the Remora Bay Resort, just across the water from Coakley's Club. I 
see him like he's running fast and he's breathing real hard and excited. Security footage captured the moment. And he was just running with some object in his hand. And as I kept looking at it, it seems to be a gun. But what are you thinking when you see this guy? Well, when I see him, I get excited. And he ran towards me and he said, they're trying to kill me. So I'm looking and say, Who, who's trying to kill you? Colton fled onto the island. Word quickly spread boat to boat at the marina. American Jordan Sackett was aboard his family's yacht. That everybody was on high alert that he was on the island and that he was around. Then suddenly, as police were searching for the barefoot bandit, Jordan saw a boat roar away. It was Colton. The cops showed up with Uzis and shotguns, but they had no boat. They asked Jordan if they could use his, and he in turn asked his parents for permission. How did that go? Mom, Dad, can I take the boat and these armed officers to pursue an armed suspect? Is that okay with you, know, you guys? It, they were a little shocked at first, but it was almost as if, like, gotta go get them. Police jumped in. Colton had a five-minute head start and was heading for open ocean until... You can see the lighter areas or where the sandbar is. The lighter He ran aground right at this spot. Police quickly closed in. And his boat's right up here in front of us. At this point, we're basically about 50 feet behind him. At that point, police shot out the engines on Colton's boat. It was crazy. Guns are going off everywhere. We're all ducking down to make sure that we're not getting fired upon. And the okay. first shot fired was a shotgun. That's where the shotgun went in. It was at the, uh, the back left engine and basically shut it down immediately. Once the firing stopped, he popped back up. He said, don't shoot, I can't hear anything. And in July 2010, after a two-year odyssey when he was suspected of committing nearly 100 crimes and stealing 11 boats, 14 cars, three guns, and five airplanes, Colton Harris Moore was finally arrested. On July 11, 2010, Colton was captured after being on the run for two years, just before dawn on Harbor Island, Bahamas. Before being arrested, Colton threw his portable computer into the water and put a gun to his head, but the police talked him out of killing himself. He told the police that he intended to go to Cuba to throw authorities off his trail from there to the Turks or Caicos Islands. His mother had hoped that he would flee to a country that did not have an extradition treaty with the United States. The losses in stolen or destroyed property included luxury cars and at least five light aircrafts, and it totaled to an estimated $3 million that he either lost or stole or damaged. Did I also mention he was named after the beer, Colt 45? Not the gun. We had one of those already that was named <laughs> after the gun. This one is named after the beer. What? Huh. Hmm. In March 2011, FBI Special Agent Fred Gutt confirmed the reward fund payout. The $10,000 bounty money was paid out to people directly involved in Colton Harrison's capture. The reward money was split six ways. So I think it's the guys in the Bahamas that like got together and collect. I know, you know, there were bounty hunters looking for this guy. Like, we're going to catch your ass. We've been hired to find you by... And the FBI was hunting him. That's a weird life to live. Yeah. It's only a matter of time because you have to keep moving. Colton pleaded guilty on July 13, 2010 to, to illegal entry to the Bahamas and illegally landing a plane. He was sentenced to three months in jail or a $300,000 fine. His mother wired the money to the U.S. Embassy in Nassau. So Nassau is like, give me $300 U.S. dollars. And they go, he goes, okay. <laughs> and But what happens after you leave Nassau? 
He was deported the same day via overnight commercial flight accompanied by Bahamian authorities, the United States agents of the FBI to Miami, Florida. The following day, Colton appeared before U.S. Magistrate Robert DeBoo to determine his legal representation, which had been hired on behalf of his mother. We're going to sidestep. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's an underlying story to this story that I found on accident. Oops. She hired a well-known criminal defense attorney, John Henry Brown. Brown and his actions have been the subject of some controversy, and he has sometimes been criticized for his eccentric and combative style, both in and out of the courtroom. So he's kind of a showy attorney, which defense attorney, if you can put on a good show, is probably worth the money. <laughs> That's You don't need to win your case. No, you no. just need to be entertained. Distract and confuse. He is especially known for obtaining sympathetic treatment for his clients by shifting the focus away from the serious crime that were committed by arguing for consideration of the background of the defendant and the circumstances in which the event took place. So this kid wasn't raised in the best of conditions. He was named after a beer. There wasn't enough food in the house. That's why he is the way he is. Brown now admits that he feels partly responsible for some of the murders committed by his most prolific client, Ted Bundy. And today... I, we had heard that name. Yes. That's and why. I didn't connect, but yep. And today is Ted Bundy's birthday. Oh, happy dirt day. Happy dirt day, motherfucker. <laughs> so, but this must is, be must be a warm day in hell. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Prior mm-hmm. to Bundy's second escape from prison in Colorado, Brown advocated for better conditions for his client, which put him in a cell that was easier to slip from. Now, this guy couldn't have known he was getting an easier cell to break out of. But remember, it was, Ted Bunny can't read in that cell. There's the lighting is so bad. It hurts his eyes. He's just he's such a smart guy. You know? Nowadays, and- they'd be paying for LASIK. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. So he got moved because his lawyer did his job, petitioned for him to have better conditions that he didn't deserve. I feel somewhat responsible, actually, for the deaths he was involved in in Florida because I helped him get better privileges in jail in Glenwood Springs, said Brown. But even though he worked to benefit Bundy, he wasn't under any illusion that Ted Bundy was innocent or even a good person who made a tragic mistake. So when he was representing Ted Bundy, he wasn't like, but he saw porn in a dumpster as a teenager. And that's why he is the way was he Was this the guy that Bundy fired? I don't know. I don't know. For, I know. I think this guy quit, but he, Bundy might have said he fired him. So I never want to believe anybody was born evil because I didn't want to believe that. I still don't bl- want to believe that, but I'm convinced that Ted was. The good news is for the public in general is that that's the only one that in the 40 years I've represented, I would say that about. So as 40 years as a criminal defense attorney, Ted Bundy was the only one that he thinks was born evil. Yet when asked how he justified defending a mass murderer, a person, a person so despised, Brown is quick to respond. I try to keep anybody from the death penalty because I don't believe in the death penalty, he says with clarity. That's a simple answer. In fact, Brown only walked away from defending Bundy after it became clear to him that perhaps the killer didn't share Brown's determination to save himself from execution. So it's like you have my client has to be working with me on the same page to save your life. This is insane. I don't know if this part is true. This guy recently wrote a book also about Ted Bundy or other stuff. I had never heard this part before. I got a plea bargain for Ted Bundy to save his life. I think the general public would never believe it would be possible to get a plea bargain for Ted Bundy, but I did which involves four states, Brown explains, and he was going to do it after we pressured him into it. Then he decided not to do it in a dramatic fashion. And that's pretty much when he turned down the plea bargain, which would have saved his life. And that's when I stopped being his lawyer, because I think to a certain extent he had a death wish. Apparently, he had secured a plea deal for Ted Bundy, but Ted Bundy didn't want it. I was like, (sighs) I want to know 
is there any way to verify that's true? I don't know. It, that's that's the only place I've heard that. And that's why he said people now, won't believe it. wouldn't surprise me if Ted was so fucking stupid. He thought he was one of those guys. He thought he was so fucking smart that he was actually going to get himself off. Off. Yeah, that's yeah. what I would think is. But he's saying Ted asked me at one point what states have would kill me the fastest. And his attorney goes, Florida or Texas. And when he escaped from prison, he went to Florida. Florida. Yeah. yeah. He's like, he could have gone to Chicago or wherever else. So that makes him think he had a death wish to go somewhere to kill someone. But I was like, I mean, I don't know how you prove that. I don't know. So that was my sidestep rabbit hole that I fell down into and just kept going. But I did not know Ted Bundy's birthday was today until after I'd already written all this. Hmm. Stole this. Typed it, you know. <laughs> At least you admit it, unlike some people. Nah, nah, nah. Yeah, it's hard. Okay. Back to the main event. Three days later, in the U.S. District Court of Southern Florida, Judge Dube ruled that Colton Harris-Moore would be sent to Washington State to face charges there first before he was arrested under their warrant. Colton waived his right to an extradition hearing. He was held at the Federal Detention Center in Miami until July 21st when he was transferred to Justice Prison and Alien Transportation System to the Federal Detention Center in SeaTac, Washington. Yeah, so he had to be moved. Okay, and any time he was, when they first arrested him, he was barefoot. But any other time he was being moved around, like, he's got on a bulletproof vest, shackles, and hands and ankles. And to keep him from running away, I guess. And uh, keep him from getting shot, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah. I don't know who the fuck. That one I mean, you know, the thing is, though, any of those guys that he stole things from, they're not going to get any of that no. back. No. And that's what I was like. They All shot they out. got were higher insurance premiums. Yep. Federal judge of the U.S. District Court of Western Washington in Seattle set a November 15th deadline for prosecutors to have Colton formally indicted by a federal grand jury. However, he waived his right to a speedy trial, petitioning both the defense and the prosecution more time to prepare for the case. On November 18th, 2010, Colt pleaded not guilty in federal court to charges of interstate transportation of stolen plane, bow, and gun, and being a fugitive in possession of a firearm, of flying a plane without a pilot's license. So apparently they do frown upon that. Oh, there's a bunch of, yeah, he just by taking the plane, even if he didn't steal the plane, he bought the plane, but he didn't have the proper, Oh, you can. he already broke a bunch of laws doing that. On June 17, 2011, federal prosecutors recommended that Colby sentenced to six years in prison. He pleaded guilty to all seven counts on the federal indictment. The Washington State Court, however, recommended that he be sent to t- sentenced to 10 years in prison for breaking and burglary near Granite Falls, Washington. So it's like they, I mean, 10 years for everything he did at sentencing, prosecutors were expected to ask for nine and a half years, while Colton's attorney, John Henry Brown and Emma Sc- Scanlon, were expected to ask for a six-year term, citing psychiatric and mitigating reports described his describing his bleak childhood and being named after a beer. On December 16, 2011, Colt Harris Moore confessed to 40 felonies and was sentenced to more than seven years. <laughs> 40, 40 felonies. <laughs> sentenced to seven years in prison. Well, it sounds like a pretty good deal if the, li- the least you could have got was six and the most ten. Superior Court Judge Vicki Churchill stated, This case is a tragedy in many ways, but it's a triumph of the human spirit in other ways, describing Colton's childhood as a mind-numbing absence of hope. I was like, wow. Judges sometimes have great Mm -hmm, mm one-liners. Mind-numbing absence of hope. What is it? Especially evil and... And Extremely wicked, incredibly violent. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Close encounters of the third kind. (laughs) She stated that 20-year-old was genuinely remorseful for his crimes. He has 
said that he plans to spend his time in prison studying in preparation for applying to college in order to earn a degree in aeronautical engineering. On January 27, 2012, Judge Richard Jones, a federal district court in Seattle, sentenced Colton to six and a half years in prison for his infamous international crime spree. But wait, there's more. Wait, wait, there's some more. (laughs) During sentencing, Colton addressed the court and U.S. Judge Richard Jones saying that it is no stretch of the imagination to say that I am lucky to be alive. He, his federal sentence will be served jointly with his state prison time. So that's another thing. They're concurrent instead of consecutive. So I'm serving my state and federal at the same time. So that's a pretty good deal. I don't know if you serve that in federal or state prison, though, system. Um, God, you would think federal. And yeah. if the state sentence out carried the federal, as soon as you're down to federal, you'd be moved to state. Yeah. Colton became an internet sensation with a Facebook fan page drawing about 60,000 members. In April 2010, 20th Century Fox purchased the film rights to the book The Barefoot Bandit, The True Tale of Colton Harris Moore, New American Outlaw by Bob Friel. Under a plea deal, Colton agreed to forfeit any profits from the selling publishing rights to his story. So he can't make any money. But the fact is, if you... That's fair. Yeah, but the thing, if he had made money off of it, though, now, but it the should quest- be that it the goes directly to... The question is, though, do his, does his mother get the money? I mean, I think it should go to whoever he fucking... Yeah, so they're saying, off. but if yeah. he doesn't get the money... The money goes to him, mm-hmm. but it's... I don't think, it, I don't think these people are going to get it. I don't think they'll get the money. Well, somebody's getting it. Yeah. You know, people sold t-shirts. It's like, fly, Colton, fly. Like People made trying to make money off of him. The Barefoot Bandit documentary, which premiered at Friday Harbor Film Festival on November 7, 2014, explores the childhood and the time that Colton Harris Moore spent evading the law. His mother, the FBI, the lawyer, John Henry Brown, and a range of personalities from Colton's hometown to the Bahamas pieced together why he did what It'll he did. It'll be, um, it's going to be directed by Scorsese and <laughs> DiCaprio will be playing Colton. <laughs> yeah, there you go. In December 2015, Colton began publishing a blog, which has since been taken down. His stated intent was to break his long-standing silence to voice his support for presidential candidate Donald Trump. <laughs> well, if he supports him, I mean, he, he went from he went from <laughs> everybody sitting there going, "It's cool you broke into rich people's houses or people that had things and stole their shit. We support you doing that." But now. To take control of his own story, setting the record straight where before there had been misinformation and speculation, which is the definition of our podcast, misinformation and speculation. The Barefoot Bandit has a new plan, however, and this one is intended to save his mother's life, or rather to bring his mother back to life, even though she is currently still alive. Hey. What? Colton Harris-Moore is seeking public donation to have his mother's body frozen after... After she dies and await a post-thaw cure for the cancer, he says, now threatens her. Okay, so I've heard more dumb things for GoFundMes. Yes. I'm just going to put that out there. But I was like, if they're already dead right after she dies, you would have, like, if you're already dead, does that, like, you have to be able to reanimate life then, too. It has to be, you know, like Austin Powers. You he watched, when yeah, that's alive. what he did. He watched Austin, Austin Powers. <laughs> but he was alive when he got frozen. And Frankenweenie. And Frankenweenie. <laughs> this is all over my head. That's yeah. all I gotta say. So she needs a cure for cancer. And he says that now threatens her. 
Island County Prosecutor Greg Banks, one of more than a dozen prosecutors who brought cases over the years against Colton, said he understood the former fugitive wanting to help his mother, but warned against donating money to private individuals online. (laughs) He's like, don't give this kid your money. Since Mr. Harris Moore's crimes were theft and burglary, would-be donors should take that into account, he added. His attorney said, Colton is doing everything he can to show his love for her despite his awful childhood. Colton said his mother was never to blame. I made my own choices, he insisted, even though court records show he told a psychiatrist his mother was an abusive alcoholic. Those who chipped $25 or more towards the $230,000 cost for care at the Acklor Life Extension Foundation in Scottsdale, Arizona, will be entitled to their own free cryogenic treatment at a clinic Colton intends to start next year, he said, (laughs) from prison. (laughs) Oh, man. Like, that's really, like, man. To get the money just to have your mom cryogenic, like, you could, maybe you could do that to get enough money from people that are just willing to give over. But to say, I'm going to start my own lab. You know what he needs to do? He needs to start a um, a fucking um, home alarm company. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> home security systems. Let's see, called if I did it. <laughs> Cryogenic preservation is the only solution to save Pam. He wrote on his GoFundMe page, where his accepting where he is accepting donation. His attorney John Henry Brown confirmed that Pam Coiler suffers from stage four lung cancer. As of now, he's received how much money? Mm $100,000. You said to guess. I'm going to gamble the under. Yeah. Just under under $100,000. $200. $2,000. I win because guess what? We're playing what? Price Price is right. Price is right rules. (laughs) For contribution from 19 people. Sometimes. (laughs) 19 idiots. (laughs) Sometimes it is difficult to accept what we cannot change, but I salute your attempt to try. One donor wrote, like, I fucking know you can't animate dead tissue, but here you go. (laughs) Colton doesn't explain how he'll go about starting his own cryopreservation company, but it could be a long haul. Alcron froze its first patient in 1976, but it took almost 10 years to cryopreserve a second and third Preservation science was in its infancy. However, Acklor announced that aided by technology breakthrough, it has frozen its 142nd patient. What are they going to do with them after they're frozen? Like wait until the future to unthaw them? Colton says- Are they already dead? No, this is another wormhole we could just go down. You have to be alive when they freeze you, don't you? Like if you're already dead, you're just freezing. Like I had a massive heart attack. All right. Freeze me. Freeze me. All right. So I'm going to wake up. And I'm still going to have congestive heart failure. Yeah, I don't uh, understand. That's the thing. What if you're like- You'd have to be a perfect specimen, like health, like appropriate age and health, and then freeze me, and in the future, unthaw me. Yeah, because what if you decide at 90 years old that you want frozen? Then you're still going to be a 90-year-old mm-hmm. when and you're unfrozen. Frozen. And what if they forget that they froze you? <laughs> <laughs> you get lost in the back freezer. I don't know. It seems or you. I think some of these people you get frozen before you're dead, right? Yeah, that's what he said. When my mom dies, I want her frozen. I was like, she'll still be dead when you yeah, that, her. That, yeah, yeah. Mm, or she'll still it. be um, terminally ill. Yeah, yeah, I don't understand. But like, there's going to be a cure though, and it's like a cure doesn't mean stage four can be cured. Right. I mean, oh man, it's so hard. This is exhausting. Colton says that prison and his mother's faltering health have taught him to tune out the pessimism. It's funny, he writes on his funding page, because people will say you're nuts or insane or that it's unrealistic, 
to work to save someone's life with cryonic <laughs> preservation. <laughs> and they'll call you insane. Right up until the moment you accomplish, accomplish exactly what you said you would do. The opinions of uninspired people don't matter for anything. Just believe in yourself. Read that on the fortune cookie. <laughs> Prosecutor Banks looks at it from a different angle. Are people so dazzled by fame that they will decide to best charitable use of 200000 is to freeze a famous criminal's mother based on an uncertain promise of future reanimation? He asks. It's a crazy world. <laughs> oh, my goodness. He kind of, he reminds you of Bundy. Yeah. yeah like, Except he's off his rocker. He's yeah. a serial stealer. Stealer. In an interview with ABC News, which he con contacted from prison seeking publicity for his fund drive, Colton said he hoped to design and manufacture aircrafts when he's a free man. See, like, that is true. If he had the privilege that the rest of us have had with this fairly normal upbringing, he would have gone to regular school, regular college. And that would he have been weird, probably. Yeah, but, but he probably would have been a smart, weird person yeah. and had a normal life. Right. That maybe stole things from friends at drunk parties. Right. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting closer to an update. There are several industries I want to go into, but that's definitely my main goal, building airplanes. He said, in July 2016, Colton was released on probation to a halfway house near Seattle. He was reportedly secured a job at his defense attorney's law firm during low-level clerical work. His efforts to raise money via social media to fund flight school training were vetoed by his parole officer, who said any money raised must go towards the restitution that he owes his victims. So you can't even... You can't even better yourself at this point because you owe so much money. It's like if you make any money, it has to go to those people. In 2019, a federal judge has denied a request by Colton Harris Moore, formerly known as the Barefoot Bandit, to get off probation early. Colton, now 28, asked U.S. District Court Judge Richard A. Jones in April to end his federal probation five months early so that he can become a motivational speaker and pay off the $1.34 in restitution he owes his victims more quickly. But the judge denied his request, noting that Harris Moore had failed to provide any proof that he had any real offers to speak or appear on TV. <laughs> it's like, I'm just going to be a public speaker. I just am. The judge also noted that Colton Harris Moore never made a specific request to his probation officer to travel to any speaking engagements, which would be the first step in the process. Judge Jones did say that Colton's desire to pay off restitution sooner was noble, but that he fails to appreciate that another way to serve as an example to others is to satisfy his complete sentence for the myriad of egregious crimes he committed and damage he did to the lives of a number of victims. The end. Well, damn, Ricky. He exhausted me. Yeah, I know. Wow, this was nice. I missed you guys. Oh, wait, we're oh, together God. all the time. Anyways. <laughs> uh, and Boris has really come into his own of not interrupting anyone ever. What, what do you think about this episode, Boris? It's rough. <laughs> he goes here everybody have a look at modern mouse <laughs> he missed us yeah he good quit kissing the dog he can kiss his dog if he wants to kiss his dog the husband walked into the room came over to the dog kissed him and told him how much he loved him and walked out and like i'm sitting next to the dog <laughs> <laughs> hold on one more thing we're going to do a live show. It'll be us or Who's Your Homicide in case you forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Circle City Crime, which is a 3C podcast. They covered the Burger Chef murders most recently. Cold Case Chronicles and Infamous Indie. 
with Joe Willow. Do you we, have a date? No, no, You don't like, have any? I don't have a date or a location. We oh just know that God. we're going to do it. Well, I mean, I've see you next you. year, folks. <laughs> it, it will be probably, it probably will be in 2020. Wow, that's weird to say. Um, I've told you where it might be, but I don't want to say that yet in case it hasn't. No, no. No, I'm not going to say where, but it, it would be cool. Super cool. The coolest. Yeah. So that, stay tuned for that live show. I don't know what we'll talk about, but we'll be there. Probably some dumb. With bells on. <laughs> now you can find us. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Hoosier Homicide. You can find us on Facebook and you can send us an email if you want, I guess. And we and have we're on all the podcast things and we have a Patreon and I don't really do that one. So it's probably no. not worth the money. Patreon. We're going to record <laughs> some new ones. This one's about a bomb we're going to record and one about YouTube. Bams. Bams. Boom. Bams. So we're going to do those. Those are coming up, but they're the episodes come out. The last day of the month every month. So there's like two episodes come out on the 30th, 31st, whatever those days are. You Why? Because you wait till the last second? That has nothing to do with it, okay? <laughs> but yeah. So you get two episodes at the end of the month. It's like a dollar. So it's 50 cents an episode, which is really 50 low. 50 cents. 50 cents for an episode, which is really low compared to other podcasts. I will say. I will say that. Because we're cheap. And as soon as we decide we're worth a shit, we're going to raise that. To two dollars, yeah, yeah. two dollars. Some young hoe, and for honest to goodness, stay, stay out, out of the, the corn. corn.